Hello Saints, Todd here with SafeguardYourSoul.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so blessed to have these moments together in the Word of God. And remember, Saints, there's nothing, there's nothing, no thing happening on God's planet that is even remotely as important as the work of the gospel and feeding the sheep of Jesus Christ for whom he died to save so that they can grow in grace, they can be edified, they can be equipped for the work of the ministry according to the scriptures. And let me just guarantee you this one thing, by the grace of God, this outreach will continue to unapologetically endeavor to preach the whole of the word of God, regardless of who gets offended or not in Jesus name. And please remember that your prayers and support are vital to this operation. Thank you. Instead of going to bed tonight with the idea that you have much goods laid up for many years, perhaps you should realize that your wealth, that which you are not using for the glory of God, that which could be used in this earth to get the word of God into the hearts of saints and sinners alike, is going to be used as a witness against you. Picture yourself in a courtroom with witnesses sitting there and ready to be called up by the judge and go up to the stand and swear on the Bible and give a testimony against you to convict you of your crimes. That's the picture we get in James chapter 5 when he's warning the rich. He's warning the rich, which Jesus did often. He said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, this is some of the hard truths, if you will, of Jesus that is seldom ever addressed because you see in the modern church, the wolves, the ear tickling wolves want to accommodate the rich. I'm not going to be like that. And I make no apology to reprove, to preach the word and the whole word, to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. I am God's child. He is who bought me with his blood. And I'm also your friend, enough to love you and tell you the truth before it's too late. See, that's what deceivers do. They coddle you in your sins instead of calling you, like Ezekiel said, to repent of all your iniquity, lest they be your ruin, your eternal ruin, that which sends you to the bowels of eternal damnation. Ezekiel 18.30. Notice what James says. And what I mentioned earlier, many of you know to be in Luke chapter 12, where there was a rich man whose business and income began to increase. Remember that parable of the rich fool? Jesus gave this parable. What is a parable? A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Are you ready to meet Jesus? Notice Jesus said, beginning in verse 15, Take heed, this is Luke 12, 15, then we're going to bounce back to James 5. Jesus says, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesses. You see, a man's significance in the eyes of God and the godly is not based on, has nothing to do with how much he possesses in this sinful, fallen, fleeting world. And so there are so many today, even many that claim to be Christian, which is my audience, 
target audience who think they're better than others. They have this sense of arrogance because they have more in this world, not realizing the severe warnings of Holy Scripture toward those that have much, to whom much is given, much will be required. Jesus watched how people gave. Remember that? He, when Jesus went into the temple, he went into the place where the saints gathered, or those that professed to know him. And the Bible says Jesus sat over against the treasury, and he watched how people gave, and he watched what they gave, how much, and with what heart. That's what giving boils down to biblically right there. God loveth a cheerful giver. Amen. Somebody that gives out of gratitude and worship to God in order to see his word spread because they love him. Second Corinthians 9, 7. And right there in that text, he says, if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. But if you sow bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully. So we have a post in an audio called Jesus sat over against the treasury. The treasury is simply the coffer where everybody gave. They threw their money in. And one lady gave all she had, two mites, which equals in our time, less than a penny. But Jesus honored her and said she gave all. So she gave more than those guys, those religious guys that were giving God a little token tip. You know, basically they were throwing thousands of dollars in there, but it wasn't but a small smidgen percentage of what they retained and that which is going to test as a witness against those who withhold that which could be used in this life, this fleeting life, as we look we look straight down the barrel at Christ coming. So they're going to die with money in the bank, investments, and have to give account for that. So those that have coveted to be rich, beware, beware. That's a precarious position to be in. The Bible gives much severe warning to the rich. Now, it doesn't mean you can't be wealthy in this world either. So First Timothy 6, Paul said that those that have more more than they need. That's what being rich is, having more than you need. They're to be ready to give. They're to be good givers. They're to be, when they see a need, a gospel need, and when they see a ministry or ministries that are truly doing the gospel work, they are to be readily supplying that work. Jesus prayed or told us to pray that the Father would send forth laborers into its harvest. And he said, what did he say? The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. And notice the Bible says that we are laborers together with God. We're going to get into that in a minute, a little bit. We're laborers together. What is your part? If you have to give, that's part of what your part is. That's for sure. Are you doing your part? I'll leave it right there for now. But notice Jesus says, take heed and beware of covetousness for a man's life. I want you to memorize that verse so you can meditate on a man's life. His significance consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesses. So what? Don't take heed and beware of coveting in this world. See, there's a we're either covetous or we're content. It can't be both. We got some stuff on the website, Safeguard Your Soul, on that also. If you look up, just put the word covet or content in the search box. And then he says, he spake a parable unto them, saying, the ground of a certain rich man, are there rich men today all around us more than ever, right? Brought forth plentifully. So his business, his investments brought forth many. 
I mean, there are people in our midst, no doubt, you know, thousands of people come to the website every day. And there are some, obviously, a percentage of them, man, they make more per month on interest on their money sitting in investments and in banks than most people make in a year. That's interesting. But keep in mind that anybody that has everything they need and some more than that, any amount more than that, is rich. The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room. What am I going to do? I have no room to bestow my fruit. So instead of giving, what does he say? This will I do. And he said, this will I do. Here it is. I will pull down my barns and build greater. I'm going to build bigger barns. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. So I'm going to keep expanding the investment portfolio, in other words, in this fleeting world. And remember, Jesus warned us. He told us to lay up treasure, but he told us where to do it. He says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust does corrupt and where thieves do not break through and sue. But so, and where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And he said, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust does corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. I might've messed that up, but you know where that is. And you know what he said, don't lay up for your treasures, yourself treasure on earth because moth and rust corrupts it, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, which is a solid investment that can never be diminished. Send it before you. And if you have the love of Christ in you, you should desire. In fact, let me just say this. You will desire to see others say, first of all, you'll desire in this priority because we're to do good, especially to the body of Christ, Galatians 6, 10. That's God's first priority. You're concerned that the body of Christ is growing in the grace of Jesus Christ. They're being fed and nurtured and equipped for the work of the ministry. That's what elders do. Any man claiming to be a Christian leader of any kind does not have the fruit of maturing other believers, getting them in the word, causing them to minister, etc., equipping them constantly. You know, there's something majorly wrong if that's not your desire. You don't have the heart of the great shepherd of the sheep, Hebrews 13, 20. And so we need to repent afresh. So he says, soul, this is what he said to himself. Thou hast much good laid up for many years. Take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. Man, relax, dude. You got this going on. But we know how this ends. But God said unto him, thou fool. God calls people like that fools, whether that be you, me, or anybody else. Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. We've got another message on safeguard your so-called rich toward God. Are you rich toward God today? Are you laying up treasure for your own self-serving comfort? And not realizing, James, we're going to bounce to James 5. This James 5 and Luke 12 are absolutely interconnected. Amazing, amazing, amazing. So listen to what James writes. The same Holy Ghost speaking through this half-brother of Jesus, James, as he did through the Son of God. Notice what he says. So there's only one author, capital A, and that's God. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. So watch this. Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. So he's foretelling that misery is coming upon the rich. And that would be those who are rich toward self and not rich toward God. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. 
Your gold and silver is cankered, it's rusted, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you, it shall eat your flesh as it were fire. You have heaped, that's a depiction of hell, you have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold, in other words, you've done it for the last time. Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud. In other words, you paid them enough just to keep them there, but you kept such a large percentage for your greedy self, your covetous self. You didn't spread the wealth. You weren't liberal in your giving. See, the Bible says the liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that waters, he'll be watered also in the book of Proverbs. So you kept back the money by fraud. I believe this would also go for those in conjunction with 1 Corinthians 9, etc., that you've kept back the resources from those who labored in the most important and only eternal work in the earth, and that's the gospel. You remember Jesus said, as we mentioned earlier, that we're to pray that God would send forth laborers into the harvest. And all of us have those laborers. There aren't many. There's a few, Jesus said in that same text in the end of Matthew 9, 35 through 38, that the laborers are few. But most of us are connected to, and many of us are fed by one or two of those laborers, perhaps. And uh, what are we doing? Are we a part of the ministry in the body of Christ and doing our part? See, keeping back the money from Christ's laborers is a crime in the eyes of God. And that is going to testify against you. Now, let me stop right here and say, brother, you're rebuking us, man, for your own self-serving purpose. No, not at all. But I'll tell you what, I'm not going to create a circus or a bake sale or some kind of gimmick to get people giving. I'm not going to do that. But I will send forth a biblical rebuke. I don't care what you think that is or where it's coming from. That's not my concern. We're going to preach the full counsel of God. And there's to underscore how prevalent stewardship is in the Bible. There are 2,500 scriptures on stewardship. And guess how much there are on faith? 500. And faith is essential. Wow. So do you think God is trying to get to us and speak to our hearts before it's too late? You better believe it. You better believe it. Jesus said, inasmuch as you did it not unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it not unto me. Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire. You see, the way we handle our money is a direct reflection of the priorities of our hearts. You're going to sit there and be fed by a ministry or ministries and not contribute? You got to be kidding. Well, brother, I'm broke, somebody might say. Really? How many cups of coffee do you buy out in the month? Nothing wrong with buying a cup of coffee. But, you know, if you got time for non-essentials like that and many other frivolous things we spend our money on, and you don't have $20 or whatever that you can give to support a... I'm sorry, man. That ain't going to fly with God. By the way, if you think I'm saying this for the money, you let your money perish with you. You keep that. When you give to a gospel ministry, you're doing yourself a favor and no one else. No one else. So repent. And when you do, God is going to be first in every part of your life, your time and your talent and your period. Parable of the talents, again, Matthew 25. Jesus also said in that passage, inasmuch as you did it not unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it not unto me. So you know a believer in need and you're going to say, the Lord bless you and not give him anything and help him. What is that? First John and James 2, First John 3. How dwelleth the love of God in you? Guess what? The implication is there. It doesn't. You don't know him. If you did, you would give that person out of what you have. That's where we're to give the body of Christ according to the scripture, to the workers of God and to the Christians in need. Book of Acts. 
That's your priority, and that is to be, remember, Galatians 6.10, let us do good on the almond, especially, keyword, under them who are of the household of faith. Our responsibility is not to feed all the poor in the world as much as it is to feed the poor Christians and to support the work of Christ. That's what we see throughout Scripture. So notice James 5, Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud. In other words, you've reaped you know, lots of money out of the work of your labors, and they cry, their hearts cry. And he says, And the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. So God is looking at how you've withheld, if that's the case, money, and resources from those in need. Do you remember in Acts 2 and Acts 4? I'm not going to go there right now. We've got a lot of good stuff under the stewardship or the giving headings on safeguardyoursoul.com on stewardship. Just rich content. we got one. It's got a lot of like quips and it's called Dollar Dialogue. If you punch in the word dollar into the search box or if you just go to the stewardship category or giving category, notice what he says here in Proverbs 24, 10 through 12. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. If thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death and those that are ready to be slain. If thou, in other words, if you don't help someone in need when you can, when you could, if thou sayest, behold, we didn't know it. In other words, you turn a deaf ear and a blind eye. Doth not he that pondereth the heart consider it? God sees the naughtiness of our hearts. And he that keepeth thy soul doth not. Who is your soul in the keeping of? Yeah the Almighty, and he's watching. And he that keepeth thy soul, doth not he know it? And shall not he render to every man according to his works? How could we possibly withhold from the workers of God and from the Christians in need? How? I'll leave that as a rhetorical question. See, then he says, you have lived in pleasure, James 5, 5, on the earth and been wanton. You have nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. Look around us at the things we have bought and things we're signing up for on a monthly basis that are not necessities. I didn't say they were necessarily sin. Cable TV, the gym. I didn't say those were sin, but you know, we can't even enjoy those because we haven't put God first in our finances. God should is to come first in everything. And if he's not, then we're not going to even be able to enjoy the things that we have. That's just how it works. Notice Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits. Notice not the second, but the first. It's funny how there'll be people that, well, let me pray about giving to that ministry. Well, they didn't pray about spending all kinds of money on all kinds of frivolous things. You know, they got an $80,000 car when a $20,000 car would have did just the same thing. They didn't pray about that, did they? No. Why? They're serving the God of self. It's time to get the cross at the center of our lives, to repent afresh, lay down our lives, and be crucified with Christ. When the early church, and that's people that really got saved, what happened? They sold all their excess things so they could help the Christians. And we can surmise that some of that went to supply the apostles, to supply them, not make them rich in this world, like some of these frauds today. Some of you listening to me are wasting the seed of God's resources he gave you in this life. These churches, you ever notice, they never stop having these funds to drive, you know, to build bigger barns, Luke 12, you know, to expand their ministry portfolio. They're building their own business, their own church business, using the name of the Lord God in vain, his holy name, to do so. 
Some people are so gullible, they just keep pouring money into this stuff. It's a wasted light bill. It's a wasted mortgage payment. Your money's not going to the gospel. If it was, you would know what I'm telling you right now. It's self-evident. So what you're doing is you're giving to the rich. You're propping up those who aren't maturing to believe. You show me one local church where you, well, now there are some, but very few. The Bible testifies that many false prophets never says many true prophets. So most people claiming to do or in the actual position of doing ministry are not true. They're false. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they're of God. For many false prophets are going on out into the world. First John 4, 1. So you're wasting your money. That money is going to testify against you because you're bidding God's be to false ministries that are doing nothing but there's no rebuke, there's no repentance, there's no hell, there's no judgment to come, there's no God is holy, 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 there's no be you holy for God is holy. You never hear that kind of stuff. You don't even hear the word repent. And you're funding that? So you're funding the frauds, according to Second John, verse 10 and 11, you're bidding Godspeed to the enemies of God. And guess what? You're going to be judged with them and they're going to hell. Second Peter 2, 1 through 3. We better get biblically illiterate and start obeying God, beloved. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, honor the Lord. How do we honor the Lord? Here's one way. With thy substance. And if it's coming out of your heart, you'll gladly do it as a cheerful giver. You'll rejoice to release that money to do God's work and to help God's people. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first, not the second, but he comes first. Fruits of all thine increase. You know, over the years, been doing ministry for a few decades now. You know, if I stand back and think, who are the happiest people around me? They're the givers. Man, they might be barely able to afford any. Well, we all can afford something to give. We have to. And God will multiply it back to us. I didn't say he's trying to make you rich in this world, but he will multiply it back. Jesus gave us that promise. Luke 6, 38. I'm not going to throw away the truth of God because these evil word of faith, greedy animals misused it. God's still God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ, Hebrews 13, 8. He is going to fill you up. We got that throughout the scripture. I mean, it's amazing. He multiplies fishes and loaves still as we lift them up to him and bless them and put him first. So, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first, keyword first, fruits of all thine increase. And then here's a promise right here. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. There's the promise right there. Jesus said, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over shall men give unto your bosom for in the same measure that you meet. It shall be measured back to you. Don't tell me God isn't a God of incentive. Again, it's not going to come in all in dollar amounts. I'm not giving you that false promise, but it's going to be laid up and you're going to be rich in glory. Everybody's not going to have the same wealth in heaven. That's a lie. That's a false notion. There are some laying up treasure in heaven. They're steadily givers. Amen. They take out of what they have and they give like the widow with the two mites. She only had less than a penny to give, but she gave everything she had. Hallelujah. We got to live by scripture, beloved, or we are going to be in trouble because we're going to be judged against the word of God. James 5, you have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton and nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed the just and he doth not resist. You sat there watching people suffer and watching ministries around you that you could have fueled while you sat back all nourished in your own heart. 
as in the day of slaughter. You're like a pig or a sheep or a goat that's being fed for the slaughter so that they could have a good meal. Well, guess what? The slaughter here is justice because you're sitting there living in pleasure while other believers right under your nose, God sees that you know it. We read that. He sees that you know it and you sit back and you don't support. You don't give. You don't help. You're in trouble, my friend. You see, you're the rich man in Luke 12. Well, I'm not rich. Well, many of us are. Those in poverty in America are among the five, the richest like 10% of people in the world. So we're all rich in the Western world, if you will. The widow with the two mites didn't have much to give, right? No, but she gave. She gave out of what she had. And that's all God requires. Paul told us specifically that we're not to be concerned. We are to be to know that when we give, it's based on what we have, just like the widow with the two mites. This is a repeat of a scripture in Deuteronomy. I believe it is 2 Corinthians 8, 12, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 12. For if there be first a willing mind, see, God looks at the heart. Are you a cheerful giver with a willing mind? Don't be coerced to give. Do it out of worship and obedience to the Lord, right? Notice, for if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted. This whole chapter 8 and 9 is talking about giving. It is accepted according to that a man hath that which he has, and not according to that he has not. God's not going to judge you for not giving a lot of money in the world's terms. He's judging us in how we give out of the percentage that we have. That's why he said the widow with the two mites gave the most because she gave all that she had. And that important teaching of Jesus, our Lord, is in the end of Mark chapter 12. I hope you're taking notes. Don't take my word for it. In fact, I want you to go study these things. And if I've erred in doctrine in any way, I expect to hear from you gentlemen by email. We'll talk on the phone, whatever. I want to be corrected if I am misleading anyone or conveying anything that's not according to the whole counsel of God. Let God be true and every man a liar, beginning with this fool right here, speaking into your ears today. So Paul says, 2 Corinthians 8, 12, we're to give out of a willing mind and God accepts it according to, to what we have, not according to what we don't have. Let's finish up here. Luke 12 and James 5. I want you to go read those two chapters. Absolutely incredible chapter. Oh, man. And pray before you start. Ask God to open the eyes of your understanding and teach you to reveal to you his truth. And so instead of saying, I have Luke 12, much riches laid up for many years. Take thine ease, soul. Relax, dude. You, you made it. You're made it. You're among the rich people of the world. Now, that's not at all what a Christian better be doing because you're, you're on your way to hell. This night, your soul will be required of you. And I'm telling you right now in the authority of God's word, as he said, preach the word and reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Second Timothy 4.2, I'm warning you that if that's your attitude, you are as sure for hell as if you were already there. You see, what you don't realize in your self-conceit, your foolish pride, is that your gold and silver is cankered. It's cankered. You got rust on it. He even says that. And the rust of them, James 5, shall be a witness against you. The money in your bank account, for example, the money you got tied up in all kinds of trinkets, pet cars and all of this stuff, you know, people build up wealth in. Doesn't have to be just cash in the bank. Cryptocurrency, anywhere you got wealth. That's all going to be there on the witness stand 
against you. What are you going to say in that day? Because he says right here, it's going to eat your flesh as it were fire. That's imagery of the flames of eternal damnation, make no mistake. You have reaped, heaped treasure together for the last days, the last time. Your time is up. And that's what he's going to say. Your soul is required of thee. And that might be today. You don't know that you're going to be alive by midnight tonight, do you? No, you don't. And if you die with resources that could have been used to bless the family of God that are in need in the ministry of Christ and the few gospel labors he has sent forth, they are going to testify to you. And I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and tell you you're going to be all right. We have the imagery right here, and as well as throughout Scripture, as we've been quoting, Matthew 25, inasmuch as you did it not unto one of these, least of these, my brother, you did it not unto me, depart from me, you cursed. Where? Into everlasting fire, terminated into the bowels of eternal damnation because you didn't help others. Now, the reason why you didn't help others is because you don't love the Lord. You're full of the love of self. And when you repent, you're going to be loving God and your neighbor, not yourself. That's the cross right there, beloved. So is God speaking to your heart today? What does that look like? What does the portfolio you have look like? Would you be willing to go before the Lord and say, Lord, you've given me these things because every good gift comes from you. And, you know, we could all repent and go, Lord, I have not perfectly stewarded that which you've given me. I don't know about you. I have this discussion with a lot of my guy friends. I'm like, like the other day, I'm trying to close here, friend. We're going to be closing in a second. I went to this barbecue place. I was out and about doing ministry and all. I don't know if I should have gone there or not. Probably not. But anyway, I did. It was right where I was, you know, and doing some work. And I go in there and before I knew it, and there was a line, a couple, you know, $22 for a plate lunch. Let me tell you, I was furious. Now it happened so fast. I felt violated. $22 for a plate lunch in this little dinky place. Anyway, I communicated with the owner and all of that later and rebuked them from A to Z on that because that's gouging. That's immoral. That's an unjust weight and balance as the Bible goes into detail about. And so, I mean, that burned my hide for about two or three weeks. I had to just say, Lord, forgive me for that. Cleanse my conscience. I'm so sorry. I don't know about you, but as I grow, as Christ, the fear of God multiplies in me. David said, unite our hearts to pre- to fear thy name, O Lord, Psalm 86, 11. I just get less and less able to do any kind of waste. I don't know. Is that what's going on in your life? Your conviction is being deepened in the holy fear of God. Amen. Probably everybody listening to me knows what I'm talking about. Where you like, they call it buyer's remorse. And it's not that you didn't have the money. It's just that you don't want to be putting it out on that. We have to become those who pray for the wisdom of God. So every dollar, every penny we place God's watching. We already reviewed. This isn't my words. This is his word. He's watching how we give and how we spend the resources that he's given us. And we're going to be personally, we're being held accountable. It's all on film. Nothing escapes his eyes. Heaven's surveillance doesn't miss anything. And so we must ask the Lord in prayer today. Let's pray together right now, beloved, as we close. Heavenly Father, convict us, God, to the depth of our being. Lord, give us a heart of flesh that's once again, able to be convicted by you, Lord, and to, to be pliable, malleable, and brought to tears in the fear of God, Lord, and to gratefulness that you've showed us, Lord, who are so wicked. We're so wicked. 
It's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to your mercy you saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Father, we pray that you would unite our hearts to fear your name. Grant us that heart of flesh. Take away the stony places that came from our own sin and make us readily quickened and ready to confess any sin. As the psalmist said, I will declare my iniquity. I will be sorry for my sins. And thank you for the rebuke of the righteous father. It's an excellent oil and it won't kill us. It'll bless us as a remedial judgment to get ready for that big day. The day that we stand before you in the supreme court of the universe to give account for everything we've done in the body on earth, whether it be good or bad. We love you, Jesus. Have your way in us, O God. In Jesus' name, amen. Saints, God bless you. Thank you for spending a few moments. And uh, may the Lord richly bless you and your beautiful family in Jesus Christ. Well, brothers and sisters, it's been a blessing to spend these moments with you in the Word of God. And remember, there's hundreds of more Christ-centered, scripture-rich, edifying podcasts on safeguardyoursoul.com forward slash audios. There's also a store page with several many books on there for your edification in Christ. They're all scripture-rich and Christ-centered. Also, tens of thousands of saints and sinners are being reached every month, and you're prayers are coveted for the fruitfulness and supply of this outreach. God be praised, by the way, for those who are supporting. And feel free to visit our donate page on the site. And you can use your debit card, PayPal, or Patreon. And you can become a monthly sustaining member if you choose to do so. And a gift of any amount is so appreciated. Part of this outreach is to equip and supply other ministering disciples across our great country and all over the world. And may God be praised that there's fruitfulness happening among his people and through his beloved saints as we know that the return of our Lord Jesus Christ draws nigh. And we say together in the words of Revelation 22, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen.